What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another quick solo episode here on the Multifamily Wealth Podcast. In this episode, I want to talk about the article that uh, the Wall Street Journal released earlier this week. Um, this is going to be up on Friday, April 7th. I think this article came out on Monday, you know, a few days back, uh, maybe it was Sunday, but uh, this article has been making its rounds, you know, within the multifamily real estate community. Uh, and there's a lot of great content in this article itself, and I want to share a link to it in the show notes. But the big takeaway, the big thesis here is that over the first quarter of 2023, there was a 74% decline in sales from the same quarter last year. So Q1 2022 to Q1 2023, 74% decline in apartment building sales, in multifamily sales. And that is the biggest drop since 2009. And basically, you know, year over year, 2009 over 2008, there was a 77% drop. So biggest drop since really the depths of the GFC, of the subprime mortgage crisis. And it's just symptomatic of what's going on in the business right now of you know rates being drastically higher than they were six, nine, 12 months ago. Um, you know, rents haven't been growing at the same rate. Uh, just more, uh, there, there's, there's more shakiness in the overall economy as well. Uh, mass layoffs, uh, you know, inflation is still running pretty rampant and it looks like the Fed is not going to drop rates uh, in the short term. And if anything, they're just going to continue to increase rates or hold rates where they are. So a lot of investors right now are just making a hard time or having a hard time penciling deals out. Uh, and for anyone who's listening to this, that's actively in the business, trying to underwrite deals and trying to buy a multifamily property. I mean, you know, all this, right? I'm telling you stuff that you already know, and that has been talked about ad nauseum. So this isn't going to be a podcast episode where I tell you what's going on, but rather how we're dealing with it. And you know, just some thoughts I have around all of this because um, we're not immune to this. Um, we have done significantly less deals in the last, you know, really in 2023, so the last uh, three months or so uh, than we typically do, than we have in the last few years. Um, we actually haven't put a deal into contract so far yet in 2023. And uh, it doesn't mean that we're not getting out there and making offers. Uh, we've probably made 25 offers in the last 30 days or so. Um, gotten close in a couple, uh, most of them just weren't even close, you know, and, and, and this is in Florida and New Hampshire. Uh, and most of these offers are being made direct to seller of, of kind of smaller assets, uh, 10 to 50 unit assets. And, uh, the reason that I, I, I mentioned that is because there's nuance around this, right? Where, uh, we have a higher offer acceptance rate when we are going direct to seller than we do if we're bidding on a broker deal or where there's a broker attached to it. Uh, we're not even remotely close, uh, really, in any deals that have a broker attached. Um, you know, cl not even close being 25, 30% off of ask price. Like, we're just, we're not even in a place to where we can have a, a, a cohesive conversation. So, we've really uh, ramped up our direct to seller marketing and prospecting, and really started to place a significant emphasis on that side of our business. And while it's resulting in less deals than it has in, in past years, um, we're in a situation here where we want to be, you know, sitting at the end of the bench to where we're the first one called into the game when some sellers change their mind and decide, Hey, you know, it actually is time for me to sell. I'm not too optimistic about where the real estate market's going over the last 24 months. I'd rather cash out at, at a point in the market that I think is really high and we can come in and, and buy that. Right. And some people are thinking, well, why would you want to buy if, if you also think the real estate market's going down? And if you also think that, um, you know, we are, at a, we are at a high point in the market. And my answer to that is, 
Uh, I'm a huge believer in continually participating in the real estate business in an intelligent way. So, so long as you're not over levering, so long as you're, you know, uh, either fixing your rates or using some kind of debt product that, that does not introduce significant debt risk, um, whether that's a balloon within the next 24, 36 months, or whether you have an adjustable rate that adjusts after two or three years and, and the, the terms on that adjustable are not favorable, you know, or there's some kind of extraordinarily large prepayment penalty or all kinds of covenants in the loan docs that, that may put you at risk as a borrower. If you're, if you're financing properties effectively and you're bringing a lot of equity to the table, both in terms of what you're putting down to close, but also what you're leaving in an operating account for the deal in reserves, you should be in a situation where you will be okay, right? Assuming the deal cash flows, assuming that, you know, we're not doing some massive heavy value add where you got to drive the occupancy down to zero and you're taking on all kinds of construction risk. Like let's, let's put the outliers aside and let's assume that we're investing rationally here. You know, light to moderate value adds, the deal cash flows or will cash flow shortly after closing, you know, in terms of you do some of the value add and you, you turn the building around uh, in such a way that allows it to cash flow in a short period of time and you're financing effectively with debt and you're bringing equity, right? Those, if we check those boxes, we should be okay. And if investors are willing to invest in our deals, understanding that we are taking a significantly risk mitigated approach to investing right now, again, we should be okay and they should be content with that, Right. Because we find our investors, many of them, um, they still have capital they're looking to invest. It, you know, just because the real estate market is in a transitionary place and sales are down seventy four percent year over year, and it's harder to find deals, and sellers' expectations haven't really changed, you know, et cetera, et cetera, um, doesn't mean that there aren't folks with with uh, you know with capital that that aren't looking to invest in real estate. There's still plenty of individuals looking to invest in real estate, and. You know, we want to be a steward of their capital, right? And we we frame our deals in such a way that, hey, we're probably going to have to hold this for a bit longer. We're going to have to uh, structure this deal in, in such a way that is a little bit more conservative from a risk standpoint. And, you know, the projected returns are going to reflect that. But we need to be in the game at all times so that when there is true distress, which is not happening yet, contrary to what people are saying on podcasts. So many people are saying this, right? Uh, this is the best time to buy ever, Right. You know, this is the best time to buy multifamily real estate. You listen to like the big, bigger pocket shows and they're like, there's never been a better time to get into real estate. That's just wrong. Like <laughs> there, there still isn't that much distress, you know, outside of the outlier situations where you have somebody that bought a deal, you know, four cap deal in Phoenix or Austin or Tampa or what have you with floating rate debt and a bunch of preferred equity, um, you know, and they're just on the hook for a rate that's four or five percent higher than the rate that they wanted to contract at um, or close the deal at i should say you know and their construction isn't going as planned yeah those are sellers that are probably going to be in some distress right that's very true but it's hard to have true distress in the marketplace when you still have all kinds of capital looking for deals you know in our markets that we're participating in people are still aggressively pursuing multifamily properties and in my opinion still overpaying and i define overpaying as paying a price per unit number or a cap rate that is similar to what properties were trading at a year ago or late 2021. We're still seeing those transactions happen, right? Do they happen as often? No. Um, is that going to be the case throughout the rest of this year? Probably not. Probably around the fall and the winter of this year, as we really adjust to an elevated interest rate environment, things will start to change, but they aren't right now as of the first week of April in 2023. So, 
How do we make sure that we are the ones that get called into the game when there is distress and that our offers are taken seriously by brokers and that sellers are the ones calling us when they actually want to sell and when it makes time, when it makes sense for them to sell? We go out there and we make offers now, right? We, we still pound the pavement. We don't just take our ball and go home and, you know, sit in our living room and just hang out for the next six months, right? We have to be in the game. We have to be making offers. All of the offers that you make direct to seller right now, um, it's not like the seller is going to take it and throw it in the garbage unless you are utterly offensive in the offer you made and, and uh, you know, truly offended a seller. They're going to say, hey, this person made me an offer back then. You know, when they want to go back and sell, they're going to reach out to the people that have already made them offers, that they've already had conversations with, that they've already shared information about their property with. And, um, you know, maybe they're reaching out to you and also other people, but they are still going to be reaching out to you by and large, right? Obviously, there's nuance here. But you need to put yourself in a position to be the one that is called upon when deals start to happen at a higher rate, right? When this sales uh, stagnation in the marketplace starts to alleviate and more deals start to happen, more sellers start to adjust to the pricing that reflects the interest rates we have. Or if the Fed decides to cut interest rates later this year, right? And there isn't all of the uh, distress that a lot of the gurus and the, and the large multifamily folks are telling you. Um, so, you know, I think that it's really important to, to, to be mindful of all of this stuff. While there's less transactions, that doesn't necessarily mean that there's all kinds of distress right now because sellers aren't in distress, right? By and large, outside of the floating rates, you know, folks that paid comically low cap rates for deals, right? Those people, I don't even want to include them in this conversation because that's such a different segment of the investor population. And that's just like, a, like that's just a totally different components of this. Those people are going to face some distress. So yeah, there will be some distress. But by and large, throughout the overall multifamily asset class, folks that have bought their property and didn't finance it like a complete jackass over the last couple of years um, have seen unprecedented rent growth, which has led to unprecedented NOI growth. They've seen cap rates compressed over the last couple of years. And as they start to decompress and expand, that's still much, you know, cap rates are still going to be lower than they were in 2019, 2020. Um, at least for the foreseeable future. And those folks typically aren't in distress, right? Why would they be? Like their NOI is, is significantly higher than it was when they bought their property a couple of years back. Um, even if they're coming up on some kind of debt maturity, even if they used a, you know, a, a three-year loan or a five-year loan, it's likely they can still sell for more than they paid, right? Or they can refinance it more than what their loan balance is. And it's not going to be an incredibly distressing situation. So Outside of the smaller population of investors that, that went crazy in those select few markets that are truly low cap markets that are really, really tied to what goes on in the interest rate markets uh, or the interest rate environment, not enough distress to just assume that you're going to start you know, picking off deals right now at great discounts. So put yourself in a position to be um, you know, the investor that's called upon when we actually see that. And I did a podcast episode, I probably released it maybe a month or so ago now where I talked about some of the things that we're focusing on as it gets harder to transact, right? And, and really, it's a few different things. It's building out our marketing pipeline, our social media presence, right? Um, so that we can raise capital a little bit more easily. Um, you know, it's really focusing on operating our existing assets really, really well, uh, which is something that we're investing a lot of time and resources in as a company, both in personnel and both in systems. Um, you know, talking about continuing to line up capital, um, which I you know just mentioned as it relates to social media marketing and all of that. But that's all in service of making sure that we have investors and 
capital waiting to jump into opportunities when they arise. Because that's what people forget is when deals get harder to find, or excuse me, when deals get easier to find and there are more motivated sellers and there is a little bit more distress in the market, that means there's less capital to finance and to capitalize those deals, right? People, it's not just the same amount of investors and the same amount of lenders. It's there's less lenders and less investors <laughs> because the market isn't so hot. So we want to be well capitalized and, and we want to be prepped for that situation. So that's what we're focusing on right now while we continue to make offers and while we focus on staying in the game. So I hope that just this free form brain dump was helpful for some folks out there because I get so many questions from folks right now, um, you know, people in the network, people on Instagram, what have you that are like, what should we do right now? Nothing pencils. We can't get anything to pencil. Yeah, man. No, no shit. No one can, right? That's, you're going to hear that from every single investor that you speak with. Does that mean you just stop underwriting deals and you stop offering on deals? No, it, it doesn't mean that at all. You have to do that. But you also, you know, now is the time to work on some of the other things that you should be working on. But you have to still be making offers, right? You can't just, you can't just leave the arena because then you're going to be fighting to get back in when shit actually starts to go down. So um, just something that's extraordinarily top of mind because I keep having these conversations with other folks in the moment. And I hope this was helpful for you if you're a multifamily investor that's finding themselves wondering what they should do right now or wondering, you know, how to approach deal making at this point in the cycle. So um, if you found this episode valuable, uh, please consider sharing it with someone in your network, whether that's throwing it up on your Instagram story or texting it to somebody that uh, that you work with or that you're partnered on a deal with or what have you. Um, hoping to to grow the show this year and um, you know sharing the content really, really helps to get more folks listening to the podcast. But um, again, appreciate you listening and I'll catch you guys in the next episode.